Hey, welcome Valley families. Special shout out to everybody uh, joining us on our online campus. Uh, boy, we've heard so much feedback about this series, how practical, how timely, uh, and really also how challenging and empowering that it's been. This is week number three uh, in our series that we're calling The Daniel Dilemma. We're kind of looking at the high points uh, in the book of Daniel. And today, I just want to, from the forefront, just let you know, man, this is, uh, I normally like to mix a lot of humor and, and uh, you know, storytelling, all that uh, in my sermons. That's not what this week is. Come back next week uh, for the finale uh, as we really talk about how to, how to love an unlovable world, an unlovable culture, how we can demonstrate love. It's going to be a great message in the finale uh, of our Daniel Dilemma. But today, this is something really, really serious uh, that I think we need to take a look at, and, and that is, uh, we're, we're going to call it the Babylon mentality. So uh, if you just go right now uh, online, open up our Valley website, uh, and you'll see the message notes section with that picture right there, valleyny.cc. Those are my notes. You'll be able to add to those if you want to, and you can email them back to yourself, uh, and you'll have them for all time. So this series really is about standing firm and loving well at the same time, and, uh, and that's what we're going to look at, this, this Babylon mentality. When it comes to culture, uh, and, and I think, I, I don't know anyone who's, who's trying to argue the point, that our culture is not a God-centered culture, uh, the time and the age in which we're living today. And, and so the big question is, uh, will either, or the big statement is, will either set the culture or will reflect the culture? And as Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, we're not supposed to reflect the culture. We're supposed to set the culture. And, and I know for many, that's why, that's the feedback we've gotten, uh, you know, through this series is it's just helping to empower who we're supposed to be as followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, the timing of the book of Daniel, the dating is about almost 3,000 years ago, about 2,700 years ago that, that these events took place, but there's nothing new under the sun. And that's, it's just so practical even for today. And so, you know, we need to decide, are we going to be, could I put it this way, a voice for God in culture, or are we just going to be an echo of what the culture that is really Godless is saying? We need to take our cues and our perspective from God's Word to know how to stand uh, in the middle of a Godless culture and also at the same time uh, to love well. And so next week we're going to conclude by talking about loving well. You know, think about Jesus' words in his, they call it the high priestly prayer. In John chapter 17, he talks about kind of a Christian's relationship to the world. And look at what he says as he's praying to God on the night he's betrayed. John 17, verse 15, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. There is a monolithic, real entity in the world that is pure evil. Jesus is addressing. It's not, you know, it's not some sort of boogeyman or something. There is a, a singular being that all evil emanates from. And Jesus is saying here, I I'm asking you to protect them from the evil one. Watch. That they are not of the world even as I am not of it. So Jesus is saying, my followers are not supposed to reflect the culture they're not supposed to be echoes of what they hear people that don't believe in God saying. That's not who my people are supposed to be. 
Jesus said, Heavenly Father, let my followers, your children, set the culture. And may they be a voice for God in a godless time, in a godless world, and in a godless culture. And so, really, really important is that we can answer this prayer, you and I can, that Jesus had, if we conduct our lives the way that he prayed that we certainly would. And so I want to spend a little time, give a little biblical background on what's called, I want to call the Babylon mentality. And that's really what this, this message is about. Babylon uh, was located geographically uh, where modern-day Iraq would be. Uh, that was the Babylonian Empire where modern-day Iraq would be. But Babylon is not really a locality. Babylon is a mentality. And, and again, it's anti-God, anti-Christ uh, that has been warring against God uh, since the Garden of Eden. And the reason why this is really like, so important is it's kind of, a, it's kind of my job as a pastor uh, that I take real seriously to, to warn the church family, uh, about dangers that are happening all around us. And in fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, the Bible says, have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness. There's deeds of darkness going on right now, but rather expose them. And, and so, like I said, not necessarily a, a ha, 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 oh, that was a great message kind of thing, but, but this is more of exposing uh, a prevailing mindset that has been against God, still is today, and we'll find out, finally, Jesus is going to put an ultimate end to it, uh, and that's the Babylonian mentality. And so this starts all the way back in Genesis chapter 2, the first words that, G that, that Satan ever tempted uh, Adam and Eve with, uh, the serpent in the garden. Uh, it, it really, you see it there in Genesis chapter 2, the Babylonian mindset starting there, and this was Satan's big lie, and he still tells this lie today. Satan's like, I'm all about you. I'm for you. God is all about himself. It's like Satan is just like, I care about you. God doesn't, he doesn't really care about you. I'm the one that cares about you. And he's drawing this contrast between his plan for your life and God's plan. And he says God's plan is just for himself. He doesn't really care about you. All he cares about is himself. But I, I'm all about you. And it's lethal, and it's a lie, and it's the start of the Babylon mentality. Fast forward to Genesis chapter 11, still first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 11 People gathered together to make a great tower. And look, they say what their purpose was. This was their objective. Genesis 11:4. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches the heavens. Watch this now. So that we may make a name for ourselves. The whole idea here was that they would do this apart from God. The Babylonian mindset uh, is always, I can do it on my own. I don't need help from God. I'm independent, we don't need God, we don't recognize him, we don't acknowledge him, ha, ha, ha. He's just for those, you know, faith-filled fanatics, you know. We see this, we hear this all the time. We're going to make a name for ourselves. Next verse, it says, God saw what they were doing, and it's really interesting, he says, if I allow them to do this, nothing will be withheld from them. They'll be able to accomplish anything, and it'll be a part 
from God, anti-God. And so it says in verse 9, that is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. So God sees this, and he sees they're anti-God, they're against him in rebellion. They're saying, we're going to make a name for ourselves. We don't need to acknowledge our creator at all. We don't need to acknowledge uh, that, that he's the one that provides everything and sustains everything. And so he goes down and he confuses their language. There was one common language in humanity and God calls the multiple languages according to the scripture here in Genesis uh, chapter 11. He, he confused their language so they could not communicate any longer because he knew they would separate themselves and forever be apart from him. That is the Babylonian mindset. So that's why it's called Babel. And by the way, the word Babel literally means confuse, confusion. As soon as any culture or people begin to push God out, you find confusion going on all over the place. And boy, isn't that, isn't that the word to describe our nation today? Chaos and confusion. Why? Because it's godless culture. Babylon mindset. Babylonian mindset confusion, chaos. And by the way, let me just say this. <laughs> if you saw the presidential debate this week, how could anyone actually think those two men are going to bring any peace to this nation? Like two kindergartners arguing. The only hope for our nation is Jesus Christ and no one else. And what was really surprising to me is I didn't hear either one of those candidates even acknowledge God. Babylonian mindset. It's the Babylonian mindset. Doesn't end, doesn't end in Genesis. In fact, look at the book of Revelation. There's two chapters. I'm just going to read one verse, but two whole chapters here back to back. Revelation chapter 17. It says, The name written on her forehead was Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of all prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. When Jesus Christ returns, that's when once and for all he's going to destroy the Babylonian, Babylonian mindset. But it's going to be, even in the book of Revelation, yet to come, it's, a, it's still here, it's still active, it's still deceiving people, even those who name Jesus Christ as their Savior, still carrying them away into darkness. From Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. We see this Babylon the Great. That's what she thinks herself to be, Babylon the Great. I have the idea. We can do this. Look what we can do apart from God. We don't need God. We can do this on our own. That's Babylon. That's the mindset, the mentality. And so we looked at Genesis, Babylon and Genesis. We looked at Revelation, the last book of the Bible, Babylon. How about in the middle of the book, Isaiah, the prophet, right in the middle of the Bible. He prophesies against Babylon and listen to what he says against this mindset, this mentality. We don't need God, nothing to do with God, don't acknowledge him, nowhere in the culture. Keep it in the church just as long as you don't say anything outside in public. Isaiah 47, 8 through 10. Now listen, now then listen, you lover of pleasure, lounging in your security and saying to yourself, I am and there is none beside me. Any translation of the Bible, you look up Isaiah 47, the little heading, the subheading there, which is not inspired by the way, but it'll say judgment upon Babylon. 
judgment upon Babylon. This is Isaiah's prophecy. This is how God's going to deal with the Babylonian mindset. You love your pleasure. You love lounging in your security. Comfort, easy, feels good, do it. And you say to yourself, I am, and there is none besides me. I will never be a widow or suffer the loss of children. I have everything I need. Nothing's going to happen to me. It goes on and says, Both of these will overtake you in a moment on a single day, loss of children and widowhood. They will come upon you in full measure in spite of your many sorceries and all your potent spells. You find very, very close to Babylonian mindset, witchcraft. All kinds of witchcraft and and occult activity all around Babylon. Why? It's totally opposed to a holy God. Babylonian mindset and mentality. It goes on and says, You have trusted in your wickedness and have said, No one sees me. Your wisdom and knowledge mislead you when you say to yourselves, I am and there is none beside me. And so we find there, really, that, that's the, the, the Babylon's motto. Babylon's motto. 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 I'm, I don't know why I'm having a hard time pronouncing it. It's a motto. It's not a motto. It's Babylon's motto is this. I am and there is none besides me. Total independence. Reject God. Push him out. Don't pray. Don't, don't name his name. Don't acknowledge him and anything that you do or say. We're going to do this on our own. We're going to build a great nation. We're going to build it. Whatever all apart from God. Where you find people that will not acknowledge God, you find the Babylonian mindset. And it's an anti-God, anti-Christ culture. Antichrist, by the way, comes out of Babylon. The whole anti-Christ embodiment in an individual comes out of this Babylonian mindset. And so really right here, I am and there is none besides me. This is a mockery the Babylonian uh, motto here it is a mockery of God's word in Exodus 3 when, when God said to Moses, I am that I am. I am that I am. Here, Babylon's motto is, no, I am. You're, you're not God. I'm God. I'm God of myself. I'm my own God. No one tells me what to do. I do what I want. That's Babylon's motto. And so what, what does that look like on a practical level? Babylon always, the Babylonian mindset always elevates self. Always elevates individual over the rest of of people. Elevation of self, what does that look like? Self-adoring, self-building, self-indulging, self, self, self. Hold on just a minute. Yeah, sorry, I was just having a little Babylonian meltdown minute there. Self, 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 taking selfies. Self all the time. It's all about me. It's all about what I feel. It's all about my opinion. Babylon, 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 Babylon. Confusion, chaos. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. Elevation of self. We find that, we're about to find it even in in the pages of Daniel itself. And in order, in order to, watch this now, elevate self, this is what any godless pagan culture must do. And that's to elevate self, you have to do what? You have to lower God. 
you have to lower God, push him down low. And what does that look like? Well, first of all, it, it, God doesn't love me. God doesn't really love you. These are the lies that come out of the mindset, Babylonian mindset. God doesn't love me. God isn't for me. God wants too much from me. Instead of the reality is, God's word is him loving you perfectly and loving me perfectly. The things that God asks us to do, the things that God asks us to stay away from and not to do, we call it righteousness, what to do. We call it sin, what not to do. That's for our own good, our own protection, because he loves us perfectly, and no one else in creation loves us that way. Only he does. But just like the serpent lying in the garden to Eve and to Adam, and just like Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, just like Revelation, Babylon having to be dealt with finally, these lies lower God. He doesn't really love you. He doesn't really care. We're going to provide everything you need. You don't need God. He, he, he's not really for you. He doesn't have your best. He, he doesn't really care about anyone but himself. I'm the one that cares for you. That's the lie of Babylon right there. You hear it all the time. God wants too much from him. He's too demanding. No, he loves you too much to let you hurt yourself. He, he loves you and I too much to let us live lower than the life that he created you and I for. So let's look at how this plays out in Babylon in Daniel chapter 4 with Nebuchadnezzar. It's a powerful, powerful story about how God deals with King Nebuchadnezzar. Now look at Daniel chapter 4, verse 4. Nebuchadnezzar is speaking here. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my place, of con in my place contented and prosperous. Boy, that, that's, that's a picture of Babylon there as well. Just content, just prosperous. I got it all. I'm safe. No problems whatsoever. And then he has this dream. It's like a vision, and it so disturbs him. It's this tree. I won't go into all the details. You can read it for yourself there in Daniel 4. He, he, it's this vision, and it's this tree, and then all of a sudden a messenger comes down from heaven and cuts down the tree and leaves the stump there in his place. And he's really just troubled. He's completely unnerved by this. And, and so much so that he calls in his sorcerers and his magicians and his, his supposed wise men and says, interpret the dream. No, no one can do it. No one can interpret what the, what the dream is. And then they say, oh, remember there's that guy Daniel, that, that Hebrew that, that we took with, with those others, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we looked at last week. And, and, uh, and, and he, used, he was pretty good at interpreting dreams. So they bring Daniel in, and Daniel begins to interpret this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, this vision. And, and this is what it says, verse 25, Daniel says, I'm sorry, verse 22, uh, Daniel said, your majesty, you're that tree. In fact, before this, he's like, you know what, if this was about you conquering some other <laughs> nation or something, I, I wouldn't be as nervous as I am right now. But he says, it's not, this, this tree is you. You're, you're the tree. You're the tree. And then he goes on to explain it and interpret it in verse 25. And he says, you will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. 
You will eat grass like ox and be drenched with dew of heaven. Seven times will pass before you. In other words, he's interpreting the dream and Daniel's saying, for seven years, God's judgment is going to be upon you. For seven years. And it goes on and it says, until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms of earth and give them to anyone he wishes. Let's just stop right there. So, so Nebuchadnezzar was taking so much pride. He was puffed up. He's like, look at all this. Look at what I've done. I am the most powerful man on the planet. Look at what I have accomplished, all these things. And then he has this dream. And Daniel says, listen, there, there's a humbling that's come, come to you. And he's interpreting the, interpreting the dream, and he's saying, until you acknowledge the Most High is sovereign, by the way, this is still all in play, the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth, and he gives them to anyone he wishes. Nothing's changed. God still is sovereign over all the nations of the earth, and, and he puts leadership in those roles or authority. He's the one that decides. He's the one that decides. The command to leave the stump and the tree with its roots means this, goes on, that your kingdom will be restored to you and this is when it's going to happen. And boy, doesn't our nation need this now. When you acknowledge that heaven rules. We need this so bad for, for our nation to once again acknowledge God is the one who rules over the earth. And so, Daniel says, God's going to teach you a lesson. God's going to humble you. And for seven years, and, and you can read the description there on your own in Daniel chapter 4, it, he, he became like an animal. He was going out into the gardens of Babylon, which was one of the, the seven wonders of the ancient world. And he was like, look at all this beauty. And God struck him. And he lost his mind. Total insanity. This is the point that he was an animal, acting like an animal. His hair grows out. He's on all fours eating grass like a cow for seven years. This was the king of the most powerful empire on the planet at the time, 600 years before the birth of Christ. For seven years, he was just like an animal. But then his sanity was restored. His sanity was restored. And let's read his own words recorded in Daniel chapter 4, verse 34, as God humbles him. Look at what it says, Daniel chapter 4, 34. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored after seven years. It says, then, don't miss this now, what did he do? I praised the Most High, I honored and I glorified Him who lives forever. I worshiped the one true God, King Nebuchadnezzar. His dominion is an eternal dominion. It wasn't just in the Old Testament. It is forever. It's for now as well, the dominion of God. And it goes on and says, His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand. This is Bible, folks. This is the reality that, that we would do so much better to just acknowledge this. Nothing has changed. 
No one can hold back his hand. He does what he wants because he is the only God. And it says, he hold, uh, no one can hold back his hand or say to him, it goes on, what have you done? No one can question God. Who has the right to question him? Nebuchadnezzar says. At the same time that my sanity was restored, watch this, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. That was why the stump was left there in that dream. That from that stump was a picture. You turn back to me after seven years and I'll restore to you my kingdom. Just like Daniel said. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne. And goes on and says, and became even greater than before. Now I, look at the change, 180 degrees because God humbled him. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right. Everything God does is right. Whether I agree with it or not, everything God does is right. And all his ways are just. Every time. Not some of the time. Not only around the Christmas time. All his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. And he will humble. That's the lesson of Daniel chapter 4. As he humbled Nebuchadnezzar. And so this is just really, really powerful. So what I want to do in the remaining time that we have, I want to give you three ways to babble, uh, three ways to battle the Babylon mentality. Three ways to battle the Babylon mentality. Because here's the thing. I have this mentality. Your, your pastor, I have this mentality. You have this mentality too. And, and if we've never been aware of it before, it, it is probably infected us and affected us much, much more than we have ever realized. So, so part of the warning in this is to become aware of it. Then you can see it. I, I don't need God. God, God, I'll handle all the little stuff. I'll just come to you on the big stuff. I, I don't need to, <laughs> you know, I don't need to prioritize your people or your family in my life. I just, just when things go bad, you know. Uh, th that's why, like, you know, 9-11, 2001, churches were booming and busting with attendance. Bad times, church attendance, good times, everything's okay, all right, we're all out, sun is shining, there's 10,000 other things we're going to do before acknowledging God. It's the Babylonian mindset, Babylonian mentality. Three ways to battle the Babylon, uh, Babylonian mind, mentality, and let me put it this way, if you're not doing these three things, Babylon is beating you up. If you don't do these three things, Babylon right now is beating on you. That mindset, that mentality. Here's the first thing. I will exalt God. I will exalt God. I will make a concerted effort regularly, daily, consistently to worship Jesus Christ. When's the last time you did that? What about yesterday or the day before? I will exalt God. 
Psalm 141, verse 1, the Bible says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. It doesn't even say just on Sundays. It's all the time, 24-7. I will exalt you. I will exalt you. I I will bring you into the middle of conversations with my kids. I I will bring you into the middle of conversations with with people I meet. I am going to exalt God. I'm going to make sure he's front and center of everything that I do. I'm I'm not just going to give him a casual shout out. I'm going to bring him into the situation because he's with me all the time. I exalt you. I exalt you. I, I got to tell a little story on one of our pastors. It's actually Pastor Dan Gilman. Uh, he, he was actually interacting with some business people on behalf of the church recently. And after he had the business conversation, I'm so doggone proud of him. Uh, you, you know what? After the conversation was over, he's like, okay, the meeting's over? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, okay, we've concluded? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, uh, you know, I'm a pastor, and uh, I'd like to pray for you. Can I pray for you? And they're like, what? And he's like, I'd like to pray for you. And he's like, okay, sure. And right there he prayed at the conclusion of this meeting. Exalting God. Bringing God into the middle of it. Not just on a Sunday. Exalting God. I will exalt God. Here's the second way that we can battle the Babylonian mindset. I will acknowledge God. I'll acknowledge Him in everything that I do. I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to lift Him up. I'm going to look to Him. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to acknowledge that He is here. He is with me. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, I love this in the Living Bible. It says, what are you so puffed up about? Why do you have, uh, what do you have that God has not given to you? Nothing. And if all you have is from God, why act as though you have accomplished something on your own? See, that's Babylon. I've done it on my own. The problem with a self-made man is that he worships his creator, his self. That's the Babylonian mindset. I don't need God, we don't need God, we can do it apart from him. That's old wives' tales, that's just myths, uh, that, that's, that's, that's not real anymore. Hey, this is 2020, that God stuff is way overdone, it doesn't apply anymore. Babylon. Babylon. Why act as though you've accomplished something on your own? Acknowledge God right in the middle of the situation. That's how we battle the Babylonian mindset. And the third and the last one is this, and this is, man, this is where it really hits. I will humble myself. I will humble myself. I I don't think any one of us would say, yeah, I'd like to go through what Nebuchadnezzar did, seven years of insanity, acting like an animal, for God to humble me. Over and over again, the Bible says the opposite because that is not desired for anyone. Look at what James chapter 4 verse 10 says. The Bible says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Listen, don't ever pray. Don't, don't, let me just, there's some things you ought not ever pray. Do not ever pray, God, just humble me. Oh, Lord, stay away from that. Never ask God to humble you because you'll be seven years acting like an animal eating grass. The Bible says, humble yourself before the Lord. No one can, I have to humble myself. Greg Williamson has to humble himself. You have to humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. The reality is this, can I put it this way? For every one of us, 
No one's immune to it. Humility is coming. Humility is coming. The question is, will humility be forced on you or will you initiate it yourself? Will you humble yourself or will God humble you? Directly or indirectly? Humility's coming. Will we humble ourselves and initiate it or will humility be forced on us? Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. That's the way that we battle this mindset, the Babylonian mindset. I will exalt God, I will acknowledge God, and I will humble myself. You know, I've heard it put this way before, I think it's so true. The man on his face can never fall from that position. The man on his face can never fall from that position. Stay low. Stay humble. Humble yourself. And God promises he'll lift you up. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for the Valley family right now. Lord, I pray that we would hear the warning. Lord, as even in this message, by your grace, I, 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 I just pray that I've been able to expose this Babylonian mindset that every one of us is battling and too many of us are completely unaware that we're losing the battle. Father, we need you desperately. May we exalt you every day in all we say and do. May we acknowledge you, Lord, not be puffed up and act as though we've accomplished anything on our own. And God, may we humble ourselves. God, I just humble myself right now before you and before your people that are joining us online, wherever they are. And Lord, I just say, I want to be victorious over this mindset in my life. I'm not immune to it. No one is. So God, may we be on our faces in prayer before you. And as we pray, knowing that we could not fall, we could never fall from that position as we stay low and humble ourselves before you. And you, you will lift us up at the right time. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your courage. And thank you, Lord, for your grace, not just to think differently, but to change our ways by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.